0: tonight to the book of 1st Samuel. 1st Samuel. We finished up the book of Acts here and now we're turning our attention for a period of time to the Old Testament and the, the lessons that God has for us here uh, during this time as a church and uh, just uh, looking forward to this, this series in 1st Samuel reading it through. I know Sam has been reading through the same book been able to talk a little bit. And so I'm going to preach from 1 Samuel 1 here tonight, and then we're going to take some time to observe the Lord's Supper here tonight. So the Lord's going to, going to lead us through here. 1 Samuel is a book that was authored by three different people, and uh, it was the first 24 chapters are authored by Samuel himself, and the, the last several are are written by the prophet Nathan and Gad. And 1 Chronicles 29, 29 tells us that. And the the time period that Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel covers, is the birth of Samuel, which is right around 1100 B.C. to the death of King Saul. And that's in uh, uh, 1011 B.C. So roughly, the book of 1 Samuel in your Bible covers About 89 years of history, 89 years of of Israel's history as a nation. And Samuel was born during a time that God was not speaking in open vision to his people. And uh, Sam, you probably read that here this morning in chapter 3. Look at chapter 3 with me. I'm just going to take a flyover of a couple chapters here. Chapter three, in verse one, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those day. In th- those days, there was no open vision. So God was not uh, in that time until He spoke to Samuel was not giving any open revelation to His people. His people were in deep sin, and they were turning away from Him. This is at the end of the time of the judges. Samuel is thought of as he was the last of the judges. Turn over to chapter 7 of 1 Samuel. He's thought of as the, the, the really the bridge between the judges and the prophets. And as the last judge there in, in chapter 7 of 1 Samuel, verse 6, And they gathered together to Mitzvah, and drew water, and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day, and, and said there, we have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mitzpah. And then again, verse 15, and Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. So he was really the end of those judges that the Lord had set up to bring his people back to repentance, back in line with him, and to revive them. Going back to the, the uh, first chapter, though, of First Samuel there, a couple key characters that we see in this book are obviously Samuel, The first part of the book is is really his life. And as he's growing up in this godless society, it's comforting to know that God can bring something good out of something bad. God God can raise up a godly seed in the midst of a godless generation. And we see that his life in the first part of the book of Samuel, we see David, which is some of my favorite uh, one of my favorite Bible stories to preach about in, in uh, Kids for Truth and other places. David, and then we see also King Saul. King Saul is, an, is, a, is a vital part of this. So we're going to walk through those different stories together and see what God has for us. Right here at the beginning of 1 Samuel, we find the story of Samuel's mother and father. So let's look at that here tonight. Verse number one of chapter one. Now there was a certain man of Remah uh, eh, I practiced this earlier <laughs> uh, Raymatham in Zoam and the mount of Ephraim and the name his name was Alkana the son of Jerem and, and the son of Elihu the son of Tohu and the son of Zup, and an Ephrathite and he had two wives notice that that's a that's a problem okay <laughs> All right, he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was other Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time came that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But to Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Let's ask the Lord to to teach us here tonight from this passage. Father, you've given us all of your word as inspired and profitable. And Lord, none of it goes to waste when it comes to teaching us. Or would you work in our hearts here tonight uh, this passage about Hannah and Elkanah. And Lord, would you, would you work in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, for whatever reason, God allowed Hannah's womb to become shut up. It's not ours, ours to, to, to tell the Lord what he should do or shouldn't do. But we see here a sorrowful situation taking place in her life. Uh, she had Penina to, to rival with, and uh, Elkanah had had, had married two, uh, two wives, which I said just a moment ago. Well, it's, that wasn't God's intended purpose. When it came to God's intended purpose, uh, it's, he states it in Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and wo- mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And... Uh, when when well, there's a heart for sacrifice in Elkanah's life. The God's original purpose for marriage wasn't being followed there. He he he, because of the godless society that they lived in, the culture, you know, multiplying wives was a way that they showed their wealth, or many children made easy work in the fields, and and God said that's not the way I designed it for you. In Moses' day, he he told them how to deal with their problems that they were dealing with. He didn't want them to get divorced from one another. He just he told them because of the hardness of their hearts how to deal with issues like uh, several wives or with, with uh, a uh, divorce, putting away someone. And Jesus came forward in, in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. He, Moses told you that kind of stuff because of the hardness of your heart. That wasn't my original design. God's original design was never to have more than one wife. But here, in this passage, we don't see God ever condemning it. And God doesn't always do that in a passage of scripture like this. He gives us his word, he gives us the story, how it was. But, he always gives us the principle behind it. In every single situation in the Bible where this occurs, you find heartache. It's always the result. Unhappiness is always the result. Vision of the kingdom after his death. God never designed it that way. But this passage here with Hannah Hannah and Penina has a very similar outcome. Pain and sorrow. And even though... that, That was not God's will. That was not God's intention to be there to be more than one wife in this situation. It was God's will for Samuel to grow up in this family. It was God's will for Samuel to come forth in this situation. Even in the midst of a bad situation or a bad decision that someone's making, you can mark it down that God's divine hand is at work. If you know someone even in your life, I want you to to get this. This one thing here tonight, even in the midst of a bad decision that someone makes in their life, God's divine purpose is still at work. It doesn't doesn't go away. So let's look at this here tonight, just in the the few moments that we have. Let's look in verse 5. We find Hannah's crisis. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb, and her adversary also provoked her sore, for it made her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. So she comes, to, she's year after year. She, she goes with Elkanah, with, with the sons and daughters of Penina, up to worship the Lord. And this adversary, Penina, mocks her because she doesn't have portions like all of her children does. She has a worthy portion but she doesn't have any daughters or sons to show for uh, to, 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 to make Elkanah great in, in the eyes of, uh, eyes of people. And, and she says, this is, this is a crisis that God's put in her life. I can't bear children for my husband. I can't bear children to show, uh, to show my husband that I love him. That was, that was the thinking in this culture. Verse 7, and, a, and as he did so year by year when she went up to The house of the Lord she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. And then Elkanah comes and he says something that you probably shouldn't say to a the lady. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? And uh, she, she's like, You're not kidding, you know, that's not the point. She, she, I believe it's it was it's the heart in every mother to have children and to nurture children, and to, and to, and 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 to have children be a part of part of their life. That's how God designed mothers. And this was a real crisis in her life that God brought into her life. It may not be the same crisis God brings into your life, but where did that crisis leave her? What was her condition? Look at verse eight. And. Elkanah, her husband uh, her husband to her. then said Elkanah, her husband to her, "Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? and why is thy heart grieved?" She was grieved about this situation that God had put in her life. And beyond that, in verse 10, the Bible tells us that she was in bitterness of soul. There was something this, this, this thing that God had put in her life had caused her to grieve so much over the years. Year after year after year, while she was attacked by her adversary, this other woman, she it caused her to be severely depressed. Whatever this was, she wasn't seeing God's hand in it until her response, her response in verse ten. Let me read verse nine for us. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after the they had drunk, now Eli the priest sat upon the seat by the post of the temple of the lord and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the lord and wept sore that's exactly where you should go when you're in that condition of soul when some situation has come into your life where you can't trace god's hand you know his divine plans at work but this you know either someone in your life has made a poor decision or you don't see god's hand in this crisis this trial that you're going through Turn to the Lord. That was her counter. That was her response. And she vowed a vow, verse 11, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, catch it, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. I wonder if that's your response to the Lord. Lord, I don't know what you're going to do with this. I don't know what you're going to do with this situation. But I'm willing to vow to you, whatever you do, I'm okay with. In her situation, it was a, it, she, wanted a, she wanted a young man. She wanted a young boy. She said, Lord, I'm willing to, to vow to you, Lord. If you give me a child, I'll give him to you all the days of, of his life. There's no question about it. I don't need to pray about it. Uh, we watched a, a preaching service the other night. Uh, a couple, me and a couple other guys and the preacher was talking about how often we pray about stuff when we don't need to. You know, if it's God's will, you don't need to, you don't need to pray about it. Uh, I'm praying about praying about it. No, <laughs> you don't need to do any of that. If it's God's will uh, to, 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 to give this, this child to the Lord, which it was, she said, I'm willing to give him all the days of his life. I'm willing to give it all. And, and for her, this was her response to her crisis, to her condition. Her response was, I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. Have you done that with your children? You said, Lord, whatever they are, whatever whatever they the career that you have for them, they are yours all the days of their life. Or would you take them and use them? Verse 15, keep coming down through the chapter. Let's go back to verse 12 and kind of read what, what happened in between. Verse 12, And it came to pass that as she continued praying before the Lord, again, very sorrowful, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she, spoke, uh, she spake in her heart, not only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink. But, here's a second part of her response to the Lord, but have poured out my heart, my soul, before the Lord. Poured out my soul before the Lord. He has everything from me. If there, a, if there was a crisis in your life, are you, is the Lord the first one you go to? Or do you get on the phone and start dialing and talking to everybody about your problems? That, that breeds only discouragement. Her response to this crisis, to her condition of being grieved and overwhelmed about this adversary was, Lord, I need to pour out my heart to you. Lord, you you need to hear what's going on. I know you know what's going on already, but I need to pour out my soul before you. What did that lead to? It led to confidence that God was going to hear and God was going to answer, and it always does. Look at verse 16. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli said answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition, for thou, thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace, supernatural enablement, in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. She had confidence that God had heard her, her cry. She had confidence that she had the petition that she asked of the Lord. And David often cried out to the Lord. He often poured out his soul to God. And turn over to Psalms, chapter 40. Psalms, chapter 40. Even just a couple chapters earlier in chapter 38, he goes through different things that he is, he is struggling with. He is pouring out his heart to God. Verse 1 of chapter 38: "O Lord, rebuke, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me with thy hot displeasure. Verse 5, my wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I'm troubled, I'm bowed down greatly, I go mourning all the day long. And he's pouring out his heart to God for things that are either in his own life or things that he's experiencing. And then he waits on the Lord. He pours out his heart to God. In verse verse number 1 of chapter 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear it, and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works, which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. God has a divine purpose when it comes to a crisis in your life. Wait patiently on him. Wait patiently on him. Pour out your heart to him like Hannah did. She, she Her counter, her response to the the grieving, to the pain that she was going through, was, I will give to him. I will give to him everything that he wants. I will give to him all of my ambitions, all of my desires, even the desire of having a a firstborn son. Lord, I give that to you. If you want to give me a son, I give him all all of his days are yours. I pour out my soul before you, and now, I have the confidence to move forward. I have the confidence to move forward knowing that the Lord has heard my cry and he can do with it whatever he wants. So we see in this, just this first part of the book of 1 Samuel, God's divine purpose working in the midst of a sorrowful situation. Samuel's coming on the scene in the midst of a godless situation and God's about to do something great. God wants to do something great with your life too. But a lot of times he uses uncomfortable situations to bring that out. A lot of times he births something into our lives in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of something going absolutely wrong in our life. Don't give up on God. Wait patiently on him.